Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? How many of you are cold today? A little bit unique here in Northeast Florida to wake up, and um, if you were like me, you had to scrape ice off of your windshield this morning, um, which was an interesting thing. Um, so, but I'm glad that you guys braved the cold air to come out and be with us. If you're online with us today, thanks so much for being uh, uh, a part of worship with us this morning as well. I'm excited about today for part three of Dangerous Prayers. If you got your Bible, uh, you can go ahead and turn with me, or if you're on a smart device, swipe with me to um, the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of First Samuel, so it's right there in that chunk after um, after the, the the books of the law, those first five books, and then we get into um, you know you got. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles—that chunk right there. So the very beginning there, First Samuel, chapter three, and we're going to land there in just a moment. But um, I was uh, uh, I was I was looking back through some of my journal and um, some uh, of the messages that I've preached um, during my nearly three years as pastor here. And um, which, which is coming up in February. It's hard to believe that it's been three years already. But um, as I was doing that, I looked back to January 2019, and we were in a season very much like this. We were um, smack dab in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, which is where we find ourselves um, today. And I can remember, and some of you have maybe heard me tell this story before, um, I can remember that it was, it was very early. It was, it was like two or three hours before my alarm went off on a Sunday morning, and I woke up, and I am not a morning person at all. Like, I wake up ready to go back to bed. Like, that's how much of a morning person that I am. But on this particular morning, you know, a few hours before my alarm went off, I woke up, and I was awake, you know when that happens, like your eyes open and all of us, it's like everything is clear. And it was in that, I was just laying there in my bed in, uh, uh, in, in, in silence, and I felt the Lord speak to me. I, it, was, it, was, it was so, so crystal clear, it was almost audible, but it just, something that just resonated in my spirit, just over and over and over. And it was just three words repeated over and over and over that I felt like the Lord was communicating. Prepare for revival. Prepare for revival. And, and now I hear the Lord speak quite often, but I believe that, that on that particular morning, like this was, this was, the Lord was speaking to me in a way that, that he doesn't do all the time. This was a, uh, it, it was a different way, but I just knew that I knew that I knew that it was him speaking to me. And so I spent the, you know, the remainder of that time, you know, kind of in prayer and um, just believing God for, for him to do things in, in our church and in our community and our nation and our world. And that was right there at the beginning of 2019. And can I be honest, um, 2019 then proceeded to play out to be one of the most difficult years that I, that Sarah and I have walked through together since we've been married, since we've been in ministry. And meanwhile, 2020 was over in the corner getting limbered up, you know, getting stretched. And he was like, hold my beer, you know, like um, I'm getting ready to, to make it even worse. On the heels of the Lord saying, prepare for revival. And I've, I've gone back to that moment many times since then to ask God, you know, God, am I, did I hear you correctly? Because I really felt like that was you, that that morning. I felt like that those were your words. And, and can I just tell you that I believe that, that what God spoke to me back in January of 2019, two, almost two years ago to the day, is what he's continuing to speak now. And I think that some of the recent events that we have experienced as a nation and as a world, that they will and that they already are 
serving as a catalyst for revival, for a brand new and fresh outpouring of God's power and his Holy Spirit upon, upon this earth like we've never seen or experienced before. And this lines up with God's promise from Joel chapter 2 in the Old Testament that, that in the last days that there would be an outpouring of his spirit upon all flesh and that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. I believe that we are on the cusp, we are on the precipice of stepping into something akin to what the Bible is talking about there. I believe that's what the Lord is speaking. And, and often when I, talk about, um, when I talk about God speaking to me, um, even in circles of believers from time to time, I get some funny looks, some raised eyebrows. And, and it's interesting, as I look back through my journal and I line things up, um, with the message that I was preaching back in, uh, in 2019 when I first told you guys about that experience that I had on Sunday morning. I was talking about the same topic that day as I'm talking about this morning, and that's, that's how we hear from the Lord. And when I'm in, in circles of even believers, particularly non-believers, but even believers— and I talk about God speaking to me on a regular basis and hearing from the Lord, I often get people saying that, sadly, that they've never really ever heard God speak to them before. That, that there's often questions about how do we tune into God's frequency in order to hear his voice clearly? Or... How do we differentiate the voice of God from all of the other voices, all of the other noise in our life? And, and see, it's, it's, not that, it's not that people don't want to hear from God. It's that they're really not sure how to go about it. And so today we're in part three of a series called Dangerous Prayers, which is inspired by Pastor Craig Groeschel's book of the same name. And it's based on the premise that on the whole, you and I tend to pray pretty safe prayers. Be with me, bless me, protect me. Now I lay me down to sleep. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food, that sort of thing. But what if we started to pray bigger, more faith-filled prayers instead? What if we believed God for something new and something different? What if we began right here at the beginning of 2021 praying in a different way, praying some of these prayers that we find directly out of the Bible? How might that set the tone and set the stage for this to be our best year yet? What if praying these kinds of prayers would allow us over the coming year and the, and the years to follow to experience Jesus Christ and the power and presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives in ways that we never even thought possible? Well, I believe that if we'll begin to pray prayers like these, that that will happen. But you need to be warned, these kinds of prayers are not for the faint of heart. All the way back in part one of this series, we talked about one of the simplest yet most dangerous prayers that we could possibly pray. And it comes out of a prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139 where he said, search me, search me. Two very simple yet very powerful and dangerous words. And we ask God, we, we pray to him to search us, not so that he might know us, because he knows even the number of hairs that are on our head. Instead, we pray for God to search us so that we might know ourselves and in turn learn how to become more like Jesus Christ. And then last week, we talked about a prayer that was prayed by Peter and John who were being threatened by religious officials and, and, and government authority. 
They were told to stop preaching the gospel or that they would be thrown in jail. And they prayed a prayer that said, make me bold. They didn't pray, Lord, keep us out of jail. Lord, make our lives comfortable. They said, no, make us bold so that we can do the things that you have called us to do despite what the circumstances may be for us. In, 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 in light of the, the consequences that may exist out there for us, continue to make us bold so that we can do your will. And we learn that often God's will, his plan, his calling for our life is outside of our comfort zone. And then today, we're going to go back to the Old Testament like we were in part one of this series to learn from a prayer that was prayed by a young little boy at the time by the name of Samuel who would grow up to become one of the greatest prophets in the history of the nation of Israel. A prayer that he prayed three simple words. Speak to me. Speak to me. And so as we kind of embark on this, uh, this passage here in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let me do a little bit of setup. Um, the book of 1 Samuel starts out by telling us the story of a woman named Hannah, and Hannah was barren. She could not have any children. And so she would go to the tabernacle, and she would spend time praying, and she earnestly sought after God to bless her with a son. And she made a deal with God. She said, if you'll bless me with a son, then I'm going to give him back. To you, Man, what a picture of how we are to respond to God's blessings in our life, that we live open-handed and, and we, don't, we don't serve as a reservoir. Instead, we're a conduit of God's blessings, that he gives us his blessings so that we can then give back to God. That's how we are to live our lives. And because Hannah uh, presented herself that way, and she was a person of generosity and open-handed living, that God blessed her with this son. And so she did. She, she gave him back to God. And so Samuel finds himself um, growing up in the tabernacle where Eli served as the priest. And Eli had a couple sons and um, we learn there early on in the book of 1 Samuel, Eli had a couple sons, and they were, um, th- they were doing things that, that they should not be doing. They were behaving and acting in ways that they should not be behaving and acting in. And Eli chose to do nothing about it. And so um, God had warned him, if you don't take care of your sons and the way that they're acting and behaving, the things that they are doing, I'm going to punish you. And so then that brings us to um, 1 Samuel chapter 3, where we find Samuel interacting with Eli, and he is, he is growing up in, in the temple. And, and many, many scholars think that he was probably a teenager at this point whenever, um, whenever this experience happened. And so um, 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's 21 verses. I'm going to read the whole thing, if you will bear with me, because I think it's really that important. And then we're going to walk through some nuggets of truth that we can pull out of this passage. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, 
I'm going to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Verse 15, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. So here we have this young boy. He's in the tabernacle. He's having this experience where the Lord is calling him and and he's having to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. And it's in these 21 verses that I think that there are some, some nuggets of truth that are represented here. Um, that, that we can apply to our own lives so that we can be in a position to hear God's voice as well. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Um, how to hear the voice of the Lord. And this is all taken from the principles of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Number one, if we want to hear the voice of the Lord, we've got to eliminate distractions. We have to eliminate distractions. I'm talking about things like the television, your phone, email, even things like politics and the discussion that surrounds that, getting too far deep into um, uh, mainstream news media, um, going down the rabbit hole of government conspiracy theories, all of those things that, that we are currently experiencing in our world today. We've got to push that stuff to the side, get it out of the way, because it's just, that's just a bunch of noise that is constantly coming in. And, and, and we feel the need as, 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 as people just, just that exist in the world today. A lot of us, we feel the need to, to be involved in all of that stuff because we, um, we have FOMO, fear of missing out. And we think that if we push that stuff to the side, that we're going to miss out on something that's important to us. But what we fail to realize is that when we push that stuff to the side and we put ourselves in a position where we can hear clearly from the Lord that, that he knows way better than any of that other stuff does. And so we're, we're not going to miss out. We're actually going to experience even more if we will do that, if we'll choose to live that way, if we'll, if we'll eliminate distractions and, and get to where we can be in a position to truly hear the voice of the Lord and his voice alone. In verse 3, we learn that Samuel was in the tabernacle asleep. He was in church And he was asleep. And some of y'all are like, whoa, I'm way closer to being able to hear God's voice than I thought. But sadly, you didn't hear me say that. And so we're just going to sweep right over you this morning. Samuel was not only asleep, but it says that he was asleep near the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant, which would have been there in the Holy of Holies. And, and it was there on the mercy seat that where, where God's presence came and where those, the, the two golden cherubim that were on the top of the lid of that box, where their wings met, that's where the presence of God would come and it would dwell. So, so Samuel, he was asleep near the Ark of God. He was close to God's presence distraction free. You can't have distractions going on when you're trying to sleep and get rest. It's, it's got to be quiet. Things have to be out of the way. You, you can't have your, your mind running 90 miles a minute and be able to go to sleep. You, you've got to be able to eliminate all of that stuff and, and push it to the edge so that you can 
rest. So Samuel was in a position where he was distraction-free, and he was near to the very presence of God. And, and, and this is a reminder that the closer that you and I get to God's presence, the easier it's going to be for us to hear his voice. And can I just say, yes, I can because I'm going to, that this experience that we're having right now, Sunday morning when we gather together, this should not be the only time that we encounter God's presence in our week. My voice, whoever's preaching, who's ever proclaiming the word, who's ever leading us in worship from this stage, that should not be the only time we engage with God's word, that we hear from, uh, that, that, that we hear from God's word, that we engage in worship. It, it's got to take place more than just Sunday morning. We need to be continually seeking out ways to get closer to the presence of God. And as we do that, as we get close to his presence and we find ourselves in his presence and we eliminate those distractions, then that will position us to be able to hear his voice. Psalm 4610, the psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe the best thing for some of you to do to put yourself in a position to hear from is just to be still. Just stop. Like, yes, I get it. Your calendar's full. You wear busyness like a badge of honor. You get 43,000 emails every day and text messages and it's all, and you're in the know on everything that there is to be in the know about. Just stop still and know that he is God and that he wants to communicate with you. What I'm trying to say is we can't allow the noise of this world to drown out the voice of the Lord in our lives. We can't allow the noise of the world to keep us from hearing the voice of the Lord. So if we want to hear God speak, the first thing we've got to do is to eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Second thing, how to hear the voice of the Lord. We need to ask God to speak. Interesting, right? We need to ask him to speak. That's what Samuel did in verse 10. He said, speak. He was asking God, will you speak to me? Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. When you go to someone's house to visit them, you don't just like stand on the porch hoping that maybe they will come and open the door and let you in. That's not what we do. No, we go up and we bang on the door and we ring the doorbell. And if they have one of those ring video doorbells, we make it really awkward by getting close so they can see up our nose and all of our nose hairs and everything because we want to be goofy and silly. We want to make all kinds of racket to let them know, hey, I'm out here and I want in there. If we want to hear God speak, we need to let him know our intentions. We need to go to him and we can't just sit there and say, well, I don't hear anything. We need to go and we need to let him know, hey, God, I've eliminated these distractions. I've cleared out some space and I'm here and I'm ready and I'm willing to hear from you. Would you please speak to me? And the Bible says out of Jesus' own mouth, if we will ask and keep on asking, if we will seek and keep on seeking, if we will knock and keep on knocking, then we will receive, we will find, the door will be open. If we will believe, if we will ask God to speak to us and continue to ask him and continue to put ourselves in a position where we can hear from him then he is going to return in kind and he will speak to us 
We have to eliminate distractions. We've got to ask God to speak. Number three, if we want to hear the voice of the Lord, not only do we need to ask him to speak, but we need to expect God to speak. It's one thing to ask. It's an entirely different thing to expect. Samuel, in his prayer, he said, speak. Your servant is listening. First, he asked God to speak. And then he said, and I'm expecting you to speak. That's why I'm sitting here listening for what you are going to say. Jeremiah 33, chapter 3, the prophet of God says, ask me. This is the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. Ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. If you'll only ask me and then be prepared to listen, I've got stuff to tell you. Boy, do I. That's what God's saying. I just want you to ask and then, and then sit there and be prepared to hear what I have to say because I've got some stuff that I want to share with you. God's got some things he wants to communicate with us, but we have to expect him to do so. Think about it. When you go to a restaurant and you place your order, like you're at the table or maybe you're in the drive-thru and, and the little speaker and you say, yeah, I want a number five and supersize it. And you're at Chick-fil-A and, you know, you, all, you, you get the blessing of you ordered an eight count and they, they gave you a nine count. And you're like, mm, pay your tithes and live right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know? See, when you, when you place your order at the speaker, when you get around to the window, you expect them to hand your food to you, right? Or when you go and you sit down at the restaurant and, and the waiter comes and, and, and you place your order with them and, and, and then you expect the food then to show up on the table. See, there, there's an element of, of faith here that, that we, we have to start believing that the things that we're asking God for, that, that he's going to deliver on. And, and, and we know that, that according to his word, that he will deliver because, because he's made us some promises in here that we can take to the bank. And so when we ask God for something, we can believe him for it if it aligns with his word. And so we need to start asking, but not just asking, we need to start expecting that when we ask God to do something, that, that he is going to do it. See, there's, there's an element of faith here. It's not just asking, it's expecting. See, we believe that God is going to do what we're asking him to do. And I just can't help but wonder that, that could it be that maybe the reason that we aren't hearing God speak is because we don't believe that he can or that he will. Could that be why we're not hearing his voice in our life? Yeah, we're asking him, but then we're letting the noise of the world come right back in and just drown everything out once again. And we say, well, I wanted him to speak, but he never did come through. He never did come through. We have to walk in faith and we have to believe that when we ask God, we can expect him to do what we're asking from him. Forever going to hear his voice. So number one, eliminate distractions. Number two, ask God to speak. Number three, expect God to speak. And then number four, number four, listen and obey. Listen and obey. In verse 11, after Samuel had said, speak, your servant is listening. Verse 11 says, then the Lord said, Samuel. The Lord spoke to Samuel because he was expecting God. He had asked God to speak. He was expecting him to speak. And then now he was listening to what God had to say. So the Lord said to Samuel. So first off, we've got to listen. Pastor Mark Batterson, pastors an incredible church in Washington, D.C., um, author of numerous books in his book, Whisper. He said, if you aren't willing to listen to everything God has to say, eventually you won't be able to hear anything God has to say. So when we ask him to speak, when we expect him to speak, then we need to be ready to listen and listen to all of it. Because God does have things he wants to communicate to us. And the primary way that, that we hear God communicate to us is, is right here through his word. 
Sure, there are plenty of other ways God uses, you know, people and premonitions, dreams, visions, situations in our life. But, but this is the foundational way. This is God's love letter to the church, to you and me. And this is the primary and foundational way that God speaks to his people. And the primary way that we remember what God is speaking is by writing it down. Because we leak, we forget, we can't hold on to all of that information. That's why I, I encourage so strongly for people to, to journal. Um, men, I'm not talking about like a diary with like a heart-shaped padlock on the front. It's not what I'm talking about. Um, a, a, a journal. We even have some, uh, some Christ walk ones um, outside that, that you can snag if, if you're looking for something like that. Just a little notebook that that um, you're engaging with every single day, that as you read his word and you ask God to speak, I prefer using the SOAP method. You've heard me talk about it before, the scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And oftentimes I find that when I walk through that as a part of my regular devotion, that the Lord will speak to me. The Lord will challenge me in an area. The Lord will use his word to communicate something directly to my life. And I write it down. And then I can go back and I can look through over the days and weeks and months and years. This is what God was communicating to me at that time. And I can see how I've grown in my faith. And I can see how God has moved in my life and how he's taught me and how he's led me along. So we need to be engaging with his word regularly and consistently on a daily basis because this is how God communicates to us. And when he says something, when God speaks something to us, we need to write it down so that we can remember it. That's how we listen. It's how we listen to what God has to say. But it's not just listening, it's also obeying. It's also obeying what he says. And in, in verse 18 uh, it's First it, uh, Samuel chapter 3, it says, So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. But Samuel acted on the word of the Lord that was given to him. He didn't just hear it and keep it to himself, but he obeyed it. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, Most Christians don't hear God's voice, because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. Imagine the weight that was placed on that young man's shoulders that day when he, as the priest's apprentice, is told through the voice of the Lord that, hey, this guy that you're serving, I'm getting ready to destroy his family because of their wickedness and his, his inability and unwillingness to handle the situation that I've warned him about. And so this little teenage boy goes to this priest. You're talking about a person of, uh, of prominence and authority and says, hey, God's getting ready to rock your world. The weight that he must have carried. He, the Bible tells us that he, he didn't want to share it, but he did, and he didn't hold anything back. He operated out of Complete and total obedience. In Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, Jesus says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. See, when we ask God to speak, when we expect him to speak, and then when he does speak, we listen to it and obey. We become like a house built on solid rock, and we're going to stand firm no matter what comes our way. But when we ask God to speak, and he speaks, and then we don't listen, and we don't do what he says, we're going to end up being destroyed. And, 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 and I, I hear all the time, 
people that, that they try to twist and contort God's words to fit their own agenda, to fit their own comfortability. And, and they claim that God says a lot of things to them that I'm just going to be honest with you, he doesn't. Because it's all about them. It's not about what God is wanting to do. And, and just, can I be honest with you guys? Is that okay? If I just be honest and straight up with you? I preached about boldness last week, so I'm going to continue to walk in that this week, if that's all right with everybody. We need to stop blaming God for things that he doesn't say and start being obedient to the things that he does say. Especially when that doesn't fit our own agenda. Listen, God's going to communicate some things to you that aren't going to be very fun. They're not going to be very pretty. But it's not to accommodate you. It's to get you in line with him and what he's wanting to do in your life. And so it can't be about us and what makes us feel good. We can't label everything that, well, God said that. No, he didn't. And people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, I'm upset about this or I've made this decision and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to go here and we're leaving the church. God's told us once they play that card, I have to back off. Well, if that's what God's told you, please don't let me stand in the way. I know for a fact that's not what God's told them. It's what they want to do and to make it more spiritual and to, to take the heat and the pressure off, we're blaming God for it. Well, God said this, when truly, he never spoke that at all. He never spoke that at all. We need to be willing to listen and obey what God speaks, even when it doesn't fit with and align with our own agenda and our own comfortability. So we eliminate distraction, we ask God to speak, we expect God to speak, then when he does, we listen and obey, and here is the end result. The end result is in verse 19, it says, the Lord was with Samuel, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Man, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be the kind of person that God is with, that I experience his presence on a regular, consistent, a daily basis, and that the things that I say prove to be reliable that you can take it to the bank, that it's, it's founded on the truth of God's word, that, that in, in word and thought and deed, that's the kind of person that I am. And so the Bible is clear that if we'll choose to live this way, that, that that's going to be the end result because, because Samuel positioned himself to hear from the Lord, then the Lord's presence was with him, and the Lord used Samuel to make a difference in the lives of others. And here's a bonus to that. Here's a bonus to that in, in, in verse 21. It says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. See, when we, when we listen and obey and when we walk in that, God's going to continue to speak to us. It's not just going to be a one-time thing. We're going to walk in that and we're going we're to be able to hear the voice of the Lord and more readily tune in to his frequencies so that we can be used by him. If we'll eliminate distractions, ask God to speak, expect him to speak, listen and obey. God will be with you. He will use you and he will continue to speak to you. And I know what you might be thinking right now. Pastor Blake, that's all fine and good. And Pastor Blake, that, that's definitely what I want for my life. But, but I still have this one question. How can I be sure that it's the voice of the Lord? How can I be sure? To be quite honest, it's a whole bunch of faith. All right? But... To get as practical as I possibly can, let me give you just a short checklist as we close out today. If, you, if you're wanting to know how can I be sure that the voice I'm hearing is from the Lord, here are just a few indicators, a few things that you can practically put into place in your life that might help. Outside of faith, the first thing is, if you want to be sure that it's the voice of the Lord, does it align with Scripture? Does it align with scripture? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true 
and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will never, ever contradict himself. So if you believe the Lord is speaking something to you, you need to go to this book right here and be sure that it aligns with everything that is in here. And if it does, then there's a really good chance it's God communicating to you. But if it doesn't, you need to distance yourself as far away from that as you possibly can and go, yep, that wasn't the voice of the Lord. And let me let you off the hook. It's okay to think, God may be speaking to me. Let me check his word and find out. That's okay. It's okay to be unsure. But you have to go through the due diligence, the due process to figure it out. Does it align with his word, with scripture? Second part of the checklist How can I be sure that it's God speaking to me? Does it align with scripture? Number two, is it confirmed by godly counsel? Is it confirmed by godly counsel? Proverbs 11, 14 says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. You need some people in your circle whose arrow is pointed in the direction of God. You need some godly people in your circle that that when you feel like God is speaking to you, you can go to them and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And you share it with them. And if, if there's godly people in your life, you know that they're living for Jesus and, and they all come back to you with the same thing. Yeah, well, well, that aligns with scripture and, and here's what I feel in my spirit when you're communicating that and all of those things line up, there's a pretty good chance that God is speaking to you. Here's the problem. And for a lot of us, we're the most godly person in our circle. And, and so if you find yourself in that situation, if you're the most godly person in your circle, you need to get a new circle. You need to get a new circle. That, that's why being a part of a life group is so important. Actually, this weekend, we're, we're kicking off life groups here. You, you, you need to be a part. You need to find community and do life with other believers. You need to get around some other people who, who are, are, are like-minded and their arrow is pointed in the direction of God and that they're seeking after him so that you can add to the wise counsel in your life, so that when you feel like God's speaking, you can go to your group, you can go to your leader, you can go to the other members and say, hey, let me bounce something off of you. Here's what I believe God might be speaking to my life. Here's what I believe he might be challenging me with. What do you think about this? Here's what his word says, and it aligns there. Let's walk through this and unpack this together because God will use those people to help communicate to you his plan, his purpose, his will to lay out the pathway for you to walk, to give you direction and guidance. So you need to be in a life group. You need to be in a life group. You need to be around, you need to be intentional about finding community and being around these people. Registrations are open. You can go to our website, thechristwalk.com forward slash groups. You can find all of our group information there and how to be a part of it. We got men's group, women's group, divorce care, grief share, financial peace, university. We've got um, uh, community, uh, uh, community groups that people that are coming together to share a meal and, and to pray with one another and to take communion, have fellowship on the Acts 2 model. There's, there's tons of stuff. Married couples, families. You need to be a part of one of these things because it's one of these groups that's going to position you to better hear God's voice in your life and go stronger in your relationship with him and with others. And if you're not a part of community within the local church, you straight up are missing out on the fullness of what God has in store for you and what he wants to do in your life. You need to be around people for support accountability that can help to walk side by side, arm in arm in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so important. So important. So number one, 
How can we be sure it's the, the voice of the Lord? Does it align with scripture? Is it confirmed by godly counsel? And then the last one, does it come true? Duh. <laughs> does it come true? Deuteronomy 18, 21 and 22, it says, but you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction doesn't happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and needs not to be feared. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. How do we test them? Is what they're saying aligning with God's word? Who are the godly people in my life? What do they say? What do they think about what that person is saying? And then, did what they say come true? It's a cycle. That's how we know that we're hearing from the Lord. It's a cycle. God's word, godly counsel. Does it happen? Does it come true? How do we know? Well, we go back to God's word and we seek godly counsel. And then does it happen? Does it come true? And over and over and over. And if you will put those things into place, eliminate distractions, ask God to speak, expect him to speak. When he does, you'll listen and obey and you'll do it on the basis of it's in alignment with God's word. The godliest people that I know were saying, yes, this is the voice of the Lord and you're stepping out in faith and it's happening. Then you'll learn to find that groove where God will speak to you regularly, plainly and clearly. And the more that you get closer and closer to his presence, the more and more you'll be able to hear directly from him. Mark Batterson asks a question. He says, is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? That's the question. If the answer is no, that's the problem. I'll say that one more time. Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? That's the question. If the answer is no, that's the problem. In your own mind, in your own heart, in your own spirit, how would you answer that today? Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? If not, you have a problem. You can fix it. You can fix it by getting rid of distractions, asking God to speak to you, expecting him to do so, and then whatever he says, you listen to it and you obey it. You test it with his word. You test it with the, the, the advice of godly people that are around you in your circle. And then you put that to the test by saying, does it come true? Is it real? Is it authentic? And you walk in that. There's two things that I believe, among many others, but two specific things that I think God is speaking this morning to you and to me. Number one, God is speaking that he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. And if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd invite you to do so right now with me by praying this prayer. I'll pray a line and then you can simply repeat it. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus, his way for the rest of my life. Number one, I, I believe that above anything else, what God is speaking is that he wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. 
And that end times prophecy that we talked about before says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you just prayed that prayer with me today, you're in this room, you're watching online, congratulations, you are a Christ follower and you have just made the greatest decision that you could possibly ever make because God is speaking. He wants a relationship with you. The second thing is this, whatever you're facing, he's already made a way. Whatever you're up against, God has already made a way for you. What is that way? I don't know, but I just gave you the tools to take home and practice and find out exactly what he is saying, exactly how you are to respond. But you need to know that God's saying that whatever you're facing, that situation, that circumstance, that that impossible force that is out there that you keep banging your head against, you need to know he's already made a way for you to walk through it and get to the other side. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak to your people. Lord, I know that you are speaking. You are always speaking. But God, position us to be able to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to eliminate any distraction that is drowning out your voice in our life, that we would rid ourselves of those things so that we could tune in more clearly to your frequency. Lord, I I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to ask you to speak to us, but to not stop there. Lord, not just ask, but then expect you to speak. And that when you do, Lord, that we would be there ready and willing to listen, to hear, and to obey, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging, even when it may not make sense. God, I pray that in everything that you do communicate to us, Lord, that that we would test it against your word to be sure that it lines up. Lord, that, that you would bring godly people into our lives, Lord, that can help to, to, to shed some light on how you're communicating and the things that, that you have in store for us, Lord, that you would use them to speak through your word into our hearts and into our lives to help further solidify the direction, the steps that, that you want us to take. And Father, I just pray that you would bring your will to pass in our lives. Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would direct us. Lord, that you would order our steps in your word and that you would show us the way that we are to go. And that you would bring that to pass, bring that to fruition in the hearts and lives of your people today. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to forgive us of our sins, to, to rise from the dead on the third day so that, so that we, could, we could be in right standing with you, that we could have a relationship with you and that that relationship doesn't just exist here on earthly terms, but that when we step into that relationship and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we have uh, life everlasting in heaven to look forward to. God, I thank you that you are the God of miracles, the one who makes roadways in the wilderness, that makes rivers flow in the desert. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of what we're walking through, the things that we're facing right now, Lord, that you've already made a way. Pray that you would help us to open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts, our lives to how you are speaking, where you want us to take next steps. It's in your most holy name that we pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.